Lakeisha Ikigwe, host of the Leader Thinking Podcast. My guest today is Barry Carrion. Barry is a business consultant who specializes in working with business partners and helps them clear a path to success by helping them understand how to work better together. Barry has graciously agreed to share her thoughts on leadership with us today on this Leader Thinking Podcast, episode number two. Barry, I welcome you to the Leader Thinking community, and why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Well, so happy to be here, so thanks, Lakeisha. I really appreciate it. Um, I am one of the few native Californians, actually, uh, grew up uh, in a farming family here in Southern California. So pretty simple background and um, was always interested in business. Uh, you know, there, people don't realize there's a business side to farming and um, just realized I had a knack for that. So kind of gravitated in that area um, early on in my career and have stayed with it. I'm what people might call, or at least I call myself a business nerd. I'm just a nerd when it comes to business. I love it. Uh, that's that's really kind of interesting. I didn't realize that about the farming component to your background. And you're right, a lot of people don't think about the business aspect to farming. And you've had a very interesting business career. In fact, where I met Barry was she gave a presentation to a women's group that I'm a member of, and I was really blown away by her um, grace and elegance, intellect and power in in her presentation. And a lot of that, I think, comes from her journey. And so why don't you share with us how your journey um, uh, went along or moved forward uh, from the farm uh, onward. From the farm to college to my first job, which was a receptionist at a company, which was a relatively new company. And um, it was just one of those rare opportunities where you, you start with a company that's fairly new, it's growing rapidly, and the opportunities are there if you work hard and uh, apply yourself. And within a year and a half out of college, I was being transferred to open up a new office in San Francisco. And honestly, just one thing led to another. Um, I ended up being a regional manager for that company in my 20s, um, and then left for a while, helped start a couple of new companies, uh, moved around the country a little bit, uh, came back to California, and um, ended up in another startup company where I was a partner and chief operating officer. Uh, grew that company with my partners to $12 million in about five years, and this, is, this goes back to the 80s. And then I had a very, um, I had a health scare, uh, more than a scare. Uh, I was 40 years old and was diagnosed with breast cancer, and it really made me evaluate my life at that point. And I told my partners, you know, I'm going to work part-time this year, and I want to be bought out at the end of the year. And that started me on an entirely different kind of journey. I took three and a half years off. I sold my home. I moved to the beach, uh, watched the whales and the dolphins, took up yoga, uh, just had um, just jumped off the the fast track for three and a half years. It was a phenomenal experience. Wouldn't trade it for the world. Uh, but got a little 
bored after a while, you know, that mental stimulation wasn't there. So I jumped. I did jump back after three and a half years into the workforce um, as a senior VP for a large company, and then uh, two years after that, I started my own consulting practice. So I've been working with business owners in my own practice since the late 90s and um, love what I do. But the journey has been an interesting one, and I think it's given me a ton of perspective, not just in business, but in the human aspect of business and um, and the balance that one needs to bring uh, to their job, whether they're the owner or uh, an employee. That is so amazing, and I'm sure uh, just hearing that introduction, uh, my audience can ascertain why I absolutely wanted to have you on the show. I really think that it was probably a, a very brave step to leave your job and to decide to focus on um, not only healing your body but healing um, your inner person. Um, and that time at the beach, I know for me, I was raised in San Pedro, California, mm. so it's um, on the coast. And we were um, I was really fortunate. My bedroom had uh, a view, an unobstructed view of the harbor and the ocean. So every single solitary day, uh, I would look out of my window, and there was just this peace that yes. that was brought to me just being, um, just looking at the water. There's and nothing like that. I, I completely agree. It was amazing. Like it, and people don't understand it in many instances. I, my husband and I spent the last three years in Dallas, and I missed the ocean every single day, every day. Um, so, but I, w- I really want to highlight how brave a decision that is because one of the things that I talk about um, in my work with leaders is I try to focus on a whole person approach to leadership. Mm-hmm. And that requires us to listen to our bodies. And it requires us to sometimes make decisions that are scary or unconventional. Um, and and we may not know what the other side of that decision is going to look like, but we know, you know at a certain time you just have to choose you. And I really applaud that decision, and I think it sets a wonderful example um, for men and women uh, to 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 choose themselves. And it doesn't mean the end, and it doesn't mean you're not going to do anything after that, but it's giving your body and your mind what you need at that time. So um, bravo for you, and I think that's just amazing. Thank you. Um, but I'd like to elaborate a little bit because I think the real lesson in my story was not so much the bravery that it took to do what I did because actually at that point there was nothing, it was not that scary because here I was already dealing with something. I think the lesson is to be aware earlier. I was ah, oblivious. I was oblivious. I was on a path. I was, um, you know, late 30s, chief operating officer, growing a company, um, hat, was on top of the world, owned my own home, all of this stuff. It was, um, and I was um, not aware of who I was as a person. I wasn't aware of what my body was telling me. I, w- I had no balance in my life, really. Um, and I say some people need to be hit over the head with a two-by-four. I was one of them. Wow. Thank you for that distinction. 
that is extremely powerful. And two things that you said that really um, stuck with me, that you wish you had been aware earlier and Mm -hmm. that you had no balance in your life. Correct. To spend another moment on that, because I think this could uh, be very educational, what did that look like, meaning no balance? Was it that you were all work and no play? Was it, you know, how how was that manifesting and showing up in your life? Pretty much all work. Uh, I was passionate about my work. Um, I loved what I did. I, I mean, so, I mean, I don't, you don't have to go all the way to the other extreme, but it consumed me. I would be on the phone till 11 o'clock at night with the CEO. Um, so it's I lived and breathed this company. And, you know, when you're in a startup, you, you tend to do a lot more of that, and you're very passionate, and it is your baby. But I didn't realize I wasn't taking care of myself. It, my, it meant driving through fast food on mm-hmm. my way home at night. It, I mean, so I wasn't eating well. Uh, I wasn't getting enough exercise. I wasn't um, sleeping enough. And I didn't have the balance. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I would maybe go out with friends on the weekend and stuff. But, but no, it just it looked like living and, and breathing work. So can, can I share a funny story about that? Because people who know me today are surprised to hear that that's who I was then. You know, when I was young, and I have a funny story. When I was, when I left that company, just when I was getting bought out, and I started my journey of uh, three and a half years away, I was going around saying goodbye to everybody and thanking them. And I went to one person, a male, and I said, you know, I just, Bob, it's been great working with you. I really have enjoyed it. And he looked at me and he said, you know, I used to think that fire in a woman's eyes was sexy. Now it scares the heck out of me. That's how intense I was. What? <laughs> I mean, he, I've never forgotten that. I mean, that was a real clear message to me about who I was at that time. Oh, I, I want to say wow to that, and, and wow in a way that um, I'd like to pretend I'm surprised by that statement, but I'm really not. It, it's really um, for you to have had the rapid level of success that you had and you know, people always want to know the secret to to success, right? Well, in this instance, the secret was that you had no balance, <laughs> right? And right. you you were you said something too, and I didn't get to write that down, but I, I want to say you said you didn't have a sense of self, or right. you you really didn't know who you were. Is that a correct restatement of what That's you said earlier? That's correct. Okay. I never thought I would actually be going down the path that I did. I thought I would have. Uh, marriage, family, um, never had this uh, incredible goal to climb up the corporate ladder. Just fell into it, loved it, and went for it. Mm -hmm. Um, But never really got back in touch with what I thought I, what what I had dreamt about as a kid. So I just, I had blinders on. That is, that is so uh, interesting. And actually, in many ways, I think it, it, has been a common experience um, among many women who achieve very high levels of success in the corporate world or in the legal field. And one of the things that I have found in my work, and it's it's actually the way my my work has morphed into leadership. Um, as many of my listeners know, I started off writing a book uh, entitled "The Truth About Being Single." 
I was 37 when I got married. The book was really messaged toward single women, and I actually co-authored that book. I, I want to make that distinction. Um, and so I'm uh, coaching these women, um, and once they're over 35 or so, they are, you're, you're meeting women who have positions of authority in companies, um, are taking care of themselves, making good money, et cetera, and yet they were having a hard time finding relationships, keeping relationships. Uh, it was almost, you could almost guarantee that as a woman climbs the corporate ladder, a divorce was going to be in her future as well or, yes. you know, a that, relationship that was, was going to drop off. Go ahead. Do you want to speak to that? I said That was me, absolutely. Um, it just... Yeah, I was on a plane all the time, and my husband clearly didn't appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So, and, and really, who would? Because a, a right. relationship <laughs> with two present people, and that doesn't mean physically present all the time, but it mm-hmm. does mean present and engaged um, all the time, right? You have to be engaged in your relationship. So one of the things that I learned, and when you said that, that the uh, – your former colleague had said to you that the the fire in your eyes was really scary. One of the things that I have found and I work with women on is they lose sense of their femininity. Mm-hmm. And I mean I don't mean uh that in a in a uh less than powerful sense, you know. Um women we are the feminine sex, men are the masculine sex. So actually, when we fully embody our femininity, we can be the most powerful because that is more in alignment with who we are authentically. When when women become leaders in business, and there's greater awareness about this now, so I think it, it's definitely changing, but um, many women tended to put on or display very strong male energy or male characteristics and traits. And... Um, it's very isolating for those women because other women um, are are uh, don't like it. Um, they don't know what to do with that. They feel put out by it, and men are confused by it. So right. um, those women very often lose the community of sisterhood with other women, and then men don't want it. And right. it was interesting. I have known so many very, very powerful men who instead of marrying their professional counterpart would like marry um the the woman at Starbucks and i and i and i not that there's nothing great about that but some about being a barrister at Starbucks i mean everybody has um uh you know value in what they do and how they do it and i love my um uh, baristas <laughs> <laughs> you know so so that is definitely not to um uh, diminish that but i when i when you talk about sort of a a partnership, a lot of times you would imagine that a person would want a a partner in life that kind of mirrors their own professional experience so that there would be an understanding of working late or meetings or dealing with a a very intensive high-level problem. And I have seen time and time and time again, very often in the instance of men, they want someone who's the complete opposite of the spectrum. They want a yoga instructor or they want a um, a librarian or they, you know, they want someone that brings a completely different energy to the relationship so that there isn't this just sort of massive 
um, power energy. I don't know. Have you seen that yourself? Oh, oh, I think I've experienced it, uh, absolutely. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said a different energy. They don't. They 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 have enough male energy around them. So you know, they don't need another male energy. Um, and I think things have changed somewhat. I think they are better today. Although I know you know they're it, it, it's not completely um, uh, where you know women can bring their feminine energy. I think you know, but it is so much better. You have to understand when I going through this, it was in the seventies and eighties, and. Women did dress like men. I mean, you had those little bow ties, and you wore your gray suits. I mean, even though they were skirts, they weren't pants. But you, I mean, it was oh my gosh! I had a navy blue suit. I had a gray suit, and the little those little bow ties you used to wear, and the button down collars, and um, it was crazy. <laughs> but that's how we dressed. We were, we were like in uniforms, like men. Yeah, you know that's so true. And when you look one one movie that I absolutely love when I want to just have a mindless you know Sunday or something. Uh, or Saturday is, um, I think it's called Baby Boom with Diane Keaton, where she inherits this um, baby, mm-hmm. and she was this power woman, and she she actually had to change that um, because this baby kind of came into her life. It was she adopted the baby, but I say that to say this, and even when I say feminine energy, I don't mean that means that the woman should be home cooking a turkey dinner or or uh, anything like. that. I don't believe in if you work full time. I don't think you should clean your own house. I think it's doing double work. So it's not about cleaning house or anything. But what I coach uh, the women leaders that I work with to do is spend more time doing whatever it is that makes you feel feminine. Whatever really um, reconnects you to your feminine side and do more of that so then how you show up in your feminine becomes more present in the way you do everything Mm -hmm. because really that's authentically who you are so instead of pushing you know her down bring her up and invite her to the party because you still have the same level of intellect you still have the same level of education you still have the same leadership role you still are all of those other things. Just bring her to the party too. Invite her to be there. She isn't a weakness. She's actually part of your strength. And it, go ahead. It is a lesson that I've learned, I think, through my journey. Um, it took, like I said, the two by four, getting going back and reevaluating. Um, I'm still. I still use all of my uh, business acumen. I still use that that love I have for the puzzle pieces within a business and working with business owners. Um, but I approach it very differently today. Mm-hmm. I approach I, I it's not about being right or convincing somebody of my view. It's about uh helping them reach theirs. I mean it's a whole different um energy that I bring and I'm very happy with it and I think I'm actually more effective. Well, and, you know, like I said, when I heard you speak at that event, I was just drawn to you immediately and so impressed by you and really noted, and I guess because this is what I do for a living, I noted your power, your intelligence, as well as the fact that you are fully feminine to me. And it just, I don't 
um, really think this instantly when I meet a lot of people, but one mm. of the things that I thought when I met you was, wow, I could really learn a lot from this lady. And I am so glad that I was here tonight and that I know her now. And um, so, so Thank you. I, Oh, you're welcome. As I'm um, getting older and my business is developing and growing with me, uh, all of those, the lessons that I've learned on my own and then the lessons that I'm taking from the journeys of other people, which is why I'm just so thrilled about doing this podcast because um, you can learn so much from other people's journeys and experience. So I'm so grateful to you for sharing yours with us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for asking. Yes. So let's talk about leadership. Um, tell me this. Did you, uh, first of all, how do you define leadership, Barry? How would you define it? Well, you know, it's it's interesting because I think that has also evolved <laughs> over the years for me. Um, and, you know, in, in my young days, it might have been um, ordering people around, <laughs> not not really understanding. I like Tom Peters. Um, quote, and that leaders don't create followers, they create more leaders. I love that one. Mm-hmm. And I really, that's how I define it today. It's its really about helping people grow, helping them become the best that they can be, helping them become leaders, and not necessarily having to be the one out front um, that is the, making themselves visible at the expense of everybody else. That, that again, uh, partly that that whole maturation process of of age for me and experience. So, uh, as a leader in my twenties and a leader now in my sixties, <laughs> very different. Yeah. Very different approach. Very different definition. Yes. Um. So, as a COO, then you've led. You know, being at that level, you've probably led numerous teams. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. So. Yeah. Um, what was what was leading a team like for you on a daily basis? Would you say um, how did it shape how did it shape you? Um, I, it shaped me pretty quickly because I became a leader in my twenties. I had I had I had people reporting to me in my in my mid twenties. Wow! And um, I had to learn the lessons the hard way a few times in terms of. This really is, again, as I said earlier, it's really not about ordering people around or being right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's how, how, how can I move the ball forward and be effective? So it's the whole aspect of dealing with human beings, mm-hmm. not just issues. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to get things done through human beings. How do you do that? That is the biggest challenge. That was the biggest challenge for me, uh, the the, probably the bulk of the lessons that I had to learn um, was how to do that and how to do that effectively. Um, to, some of the best advice I got was somebody who looked at me and said, "Stop talking and start listening." Oh, one of my one of the main things I teach in my work with leaders. Um, one of the things I also say, and I really love that you focus. Um, a couple times now on using the word human beings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I take that with people that I work with to let them know that it doesn't matter what your product is or what your service is. Every single thing that we do has a human being as an end user. Mm-hmm. Everything. 
So even if you're making something for a computer, <laughs> a human helped make it, a human's probably going to install it, or have to push the button for the robot that will put it in the piece to another computer. So no matter what, from beginning to end of everything, there's a human being somewhere in the cycle, and there's a human being always as an end user. So every way in which along the way we dignify and honor another human being, it makes that service or product better. Um, Absolutely. I used to think, Lakeisha, I used to think that all I had to do was focus on the business. Mm-hmm. It's the business problem. And as I'm working with business owners, it's the business problem, how do we solve it, et cetera. It, again, part of the journey, realizing that, yes, there is this business problem, but it has to be solved through humans. And so it's not enough just to focus on the business problem. How do you get the human to to move through it and address it? Um, I, I, one of the things I do is I run a business owner CEO group. And I love this saying, uh, and, and, and it's so true, is that we invite CEOs to join the group. Human beings show up. I love that. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you're only you, – you can't just address the business issue. It's, there's often things going on with the human being that are actually getting in the way of solving Yes. the business problem. So where do you start? You start back with the human being. And um, yes, so that was that's been a huge lesson for me. I, I uh, used to say, well, I don't I don't do personal coaching. I just do business coaching. Really, you can't separate them that that black and white. <laughs> it, it it that is so it's so true. And um, man, I could talk to you for an hour just on that alone. Uh, <laughs> I want to talk to you about a little bit more about your um, mastermind work that you do with um, your CEO group. For any of my listeners who might be interested in joining your group or a group like yours, I also want you to talk about your work with partners and how okay. uh, you do that. I'm sure there may be someone listening who could use your services. So by all means, please share with us how you help business owners. Thank you. Um, I, I'd love to. Well, in a, in a couple of different ways. Um, one is clearly through the Business Owner CEO Roundtable that I run, and there are a number of those kind of groups out in the community. I think that there's the, the value of of these groups, like any mastermind uh, group, you don't you know whether you're a CEO or not, is that you get the opportunity number one to have different perspectives sitting around the table. So, for example, in my group, there's no nobody in the same business or no customer-supplier relationship, so it's a very safe environment. But it also ensures that you've got all kinds of different experiences sitting around the table, different industries. They bring a completely different perspective, one that you probably wouldn't think about uh, in solving your, your challenge or opportunity that you've got. So that's one of the areas. The other uh, benefit to something like that is it it can get very lonely at the top. Who do yes. you talk to that doesn't have a vested interest for themselves? Mm-hmm. Even your spouse would have a vested interest in you deciding one way or another. And this group, their only vested interest they have is in your success and to help you make reach your dreams. They're not your employees. They don't have a stake in what you decide. So they're going to give you the kind of advice that they think will help you 
and only you relative to your goals. So, I mean, I, I, the, that kind of peer-to-peer um, group, mastermind, whatever you want to call it, incredibly valuable. So that's one of the ways I help. I, I, I run this group that meets monthly. It's a small, intimate group. Um, and there's all kinds of groups out there that have different value propositions. You can get speakers. You can get big groups, small groups, all that. And people, if they're at all interested in something like that, should should do some research. The other uh, unique thing about my business practice is is the work with business partners. It's something I fell into about 17 years ago. Someone asked me, could I help them with their business partner? They weren't getting along. And I said, well, I'll try. And I put together a little process. Three meetings later, it worked. Everything was fine. And we came up with a solution. And I thought that was the end of it. But then they referred me to somebody else. And all of a sudden, I'm building this small segment of my practice around what I call business partner intervention. It's like marriage counseling except for business partners. And I'm not a mediator. I don't arbitrate issues. I actually take them back to the work, the due diligence, as I call it, they should have done before they became partners and that most people skip. I do, just, we share, do we share core values? Do we share the same vision? Do we have the same expectations? Things like that. You were going to say, I just sorry. love And I'm sorry, I got so excited. I, you know, as a mediator, I love the idea. Um, I mean, by the time people call you, uh, they are probably experiencing some level of conflict. Yes. Um, but for those of you hearing it now, if you're if you're getting ready to form a partnership, or if you are if you've started a new partnership and you're seeing that there maybe are some differences um, of opinion, Barry is the person you want to call. Um, and I'm going to make sure that you provide all of your contact details because I did not, I don't think, mention your uh, company name or how uh, our listeners could contact you uh, when I introduced you. Okay. Uh, other thing is, please uh, let my listeners know about your book on Amazon.com that I also think is an amazing resource. Yes, so this, I was just going to do that. They could, they could also, uh, I have a workbook that I wrote on how to create great business partnerships, a workbook for success. It's on Amazon, but it's also on newbusinesspartnership.com. And um, it's, it, I, what I did is I took the process that I take partners through on an intervention basis and I wrote it in a self-help uh, format for people who are thinking about forming partnerships to take them through that process of due diligence so that they don't make costly errors um, and um, and they don't have to pay big money for a consultant to come do that. I mean, it, it it's um, <clears throat> it's a great process to go through. And honestly, people, if you're listening to this and you're thinking about forming a business partnership, what I can suggest to you right now is number one, test drive it first. Don't lock it in legally. Work on a project or work on something together to see how it works in action. And number two, spend the time really learning about each other's, your dreams, uh, the expectations. It's not enough to say, hey, I'm good at finance and operations. You're good at sales and marketing. We'll make a great team. Let's sign the dotted line. That's not enough, and that's what most people do. I don't even know what I could even add to that. <laughs> <laughs> Just so beautifully stated. And, 
you know, really uh, a legal partnership, a legal business partnership is um, a, a marriage of sorts, really. And um, just like if you don't do your due diligence in personal relationships, um, it, it can turn a quick, uh, it can turn a corner quickly and go downhill really fast. The same is true in business partnerships. And um, so I just really value the work you do uh, in that arena. And uh, one other thing that I want you to also expound just a little bit on is you defined um, in the CEO group, because I I really want to talk about that again too. Okay. Um, Your role, um, from what I understand, is more of a facilitative role. So the the members of the CEO group um, support each other and kind of mastermind with each other. And then do you facilitate that or do you I also do. offer advice and consulting or what's your role in that In process? the group, my role is to facilitate it. <clears throat> there is some structure. So I, I provide that structure because you can get a lot of uh, type A personalities sitting around a room trying to solve a problem, and by the time the half day is gone, you, you may not have really targeted in on solving the problem. So I do facilitate. I provide the structure um, and keep the things moving on target for the person who's presenting their issue or opportunity to the group because that's what this does. It provides the business owners, uh, a forum to say, hey, look, I've got this issue. I'm thinking about buying this firm. What do you think? What are the pros and cons? And getting that advice. Um, And we want to do as many of those in a half day as we can, so we don't want someone to dominate. The other thing that that is part of joining my group is that I do one-on-one coaching with the members during the month. So once a month we will meet. So they have the group experience, but they also have the one-on-one um, coaching for me. So it's a combination. Okay, great. And thank you for sharing that. So anyone listening, um, I would highly recommend Barry. I think that um, she is just phenomenal at what she does. I know several individuals who have gone through her uh, her her CEO um, I, I call it a mastermind. That's just the language that I'm used to, but her CEO group and um, they have found it wildly beneficial. And uh, they're the 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 two that I'm thinking of off the top of my head right now. Is, hmm, that was interesting. Uh, have grown. Hello. Sorry about that. Okay. Okay. Um, the the individuals that I know personally who've gone through the program, their businesses have. Um, uh, grown, seen growth, especially financial growth, um, exponentially while they were in your program. So that is actually uh, one of the benefits. So it's, uh, I think, actually having clarity on um, your business goals, vision, dreams, your your personal, uh, how, how that ties in personally with who you are as a person, and then also uh, the benefit of the business, um, you know, Making money, which is absolutely. Why and I'll, uh, uh, if I can interject, the the one piece that I didn't mention that actually helps that part process is that accountability. So if you if you bring something to the group and the group spends their time and they give you advice and then you make a com- you make a commitment to the group of what you're going to take out of that, you come back next month. You got to report in. That's okay. part of the structure that I provide. So you you it keeps you moving forward. Yes. 
yes, exactly. And uh, I, I just so do so do this now. Actually, Barry, let people know the name of your company, how yes. they can you, the best way to contact you, talk, contact you, etc. Um, it is Carrion Consulting, C-A-R-I-A-N Consulting. So very original, my last name. Um, my website is CarrionConsulting.com. And uh, my phone number is 949-640-2141. Great. So um, as we wrap up our time together today, are there any books that you would recommend um, for our listeners, either you know personal books that have helped you on your journey or business books that you think are valuable that you could share with them? I'm sitting here looking at my bookcase, and it's full of books, and there are business leadership books. I, I really can't pick one out, so I will just share with you the book that's impacted me most personally. Okay. I've read it three times in my life. It's a huge book. Um, it, it will tell you a lot about who I am, and it is Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged. Atlas Shrugged. Yes, Ayn Rand, A-Y-N. And it is, it's all about independence, self-sufficiency. That book has probably launched, it was written over 50 years ago, more businesses than anything else. So when it, when, yeah, so it's, it's, it has had a big profound effect on my life. Wow. Well, maybe when we have time to talk again, we can discuss uh, how that has had a profound Okay. I'd love to. <laughs> Is this the book that was, um, you know, during the last election when um, I think Paul Ryan was the VP um, candidate with Mitt Romney, is that the book that he yes. he really yes. Um, yes. inspirational as well? Yes. Okay, and good. and I believe it was the Wall Street Journal or something went, went, a few years back, maybe just five or six years ago. It, it it was its 50th anniversary, and they talked about, or maybe it was Inc. Magazine, uh, how many businesses were launched as a result of that book just over the years. Um, really? Yes. It, it just because it's so inspirational as an entrepreneur. Mm. It's all about the entrepreneur. They're the hero in this book. <laughs> and uh, and I believe that. I, I believe small business and entrepreneurs are the backbone of our economy. And I think we're losing that today. Uh, I, I think we're going back to it, though, really. I, I hope I, so. um, we, we will have to continue this conversation another time. Maybe we'll do a Barry Carrion interview part two because – uh, I've just been reading so many interesting articles about the decentralization of even major corporations um, and that many people will be what are seen as intrapreneurs. So they yes. are they will be uh, working for themselves pretty much, freelancing, and will identify as having sort of several companies that they work for. So there will be sort of entrepreneurs that actually work within the structure of larger organizations um, but kind of their own shots and do things their own way. And I'm sorry, listeners, for this issue with my phone. I don't know what's happening here, but uh, we're wrapping this up so you won't have to deal with that beeping too much longer. Um, Barry, I want to thank you for your time today. It's been amazing. I know thank that you. listeners will take so much value from this call, and, and that's my goal. Uh, one thing I would like for you to share, if you can, and hopefully the beeping won't start, is there one action step that you suggest anyone who is 
in a leadership position or in leading their life, business, and relationships, is there any action step that you suggest they take? I actually think that, um, I mean, there are a whole lot of things, but I think what pops to mind first is whether it's a mastermind group or whether it is a coach or mentor, make sure you have somebody that has an objective outside perspective that you're working with. I think that's critical. We can we can get so caught up and buy into our own BS um, that um, it is actually harmful to our success. So I think that's very important. Uh, and as a coaching consultant myself, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> there you go. I, that was a plug for you, by the way. <laughs> e- you know, every successful person has had a mentor or a coach, or a guide, mm-hmm. every single one. Anyone that you speak to in any, you know, uh, sort of high-level or top-level leadership position, each and every one of them um, has had a mentor. Uh, Oprah Winfrey's mentor, we know, Maya Angelou, just passed away right. two days ago. But, you know, uh, Bill Gates, his mentor is Warren Buffett. Um, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, Steve Jobs was a mentor to him. So, uh really does it well alone, and you will always um, have better success and better peace, you know, better, uh, we're social beings, and so it's always, the journey is always easier, better, and sweeter when you have someone who has, uh, whose agenda is you, is what I say as a coach. I love that. That's a great way to say it. Yeah, yeah, so, um, so we're in agreement on that. Okay, Barry, Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Uh, I certainly hope my listeners reach out to you, and um, I look forward to you and I uh, having, uh, you know, greater experiences in the future, and thank you again. I appreciate it, Lakeisha. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The moderator has left the conference. The conference is now completed. Goodbye. Welcome to the conference. Please enter the conference ID, followed by the pound key. Thank you. Guest ID accepted.